Trigger warning. The following episode contains references to gore, racism, slavery, animal cruelty, human suffering, death, factual inaccuracies, several entitled people making light of all these things. If any of the aforementioned topics cause you discomfort, you may want to listen to a different episode. Welcome to the Aztec Con Q&A session. Here are your sacrifices. I'm Andy. Well, shoot, my heartburn's been saving the world for years. I'm Adam. Egyptians. Ha, huh. those pyramids were built on easy mode. I'm Kelly. Fluff me. We'll all be worth it in the end. I'm fine. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. This week, we're going to talk about the Aztecs. And Technotitland? Yeah, that's the one. We're going to get into a lot of the bad stuff <laughs> that the Aztecs did. No. <laughs> if you want to have a little sympathy for them, I recommend going back and listening to our Conquistadors episode. They weren't alone. Mm-hmm. There's another podcast that covered a lot of stuff about the Aztecs. It was very interesting. The podcast is called History on Fire. And he said that the Aztecs and the Conquistadors was not a case of the good guys versus the bad guys. It was just <laughs> bad guys versus bad guys. Yeah. We always want a shining hero. Yeah. I mean, they did have a lot of gold. It's true. <laughs> they were shiny. So the etymology, this is pretty interesting. We call people of central Mexico the Aztecs, but that word in the local culture was a term meaning the descendants of a mythical land called Aztlan. Aztlan. Like Aztlan. the lion. Yeah, I was going to say, like the big lion. <laughs> <laughs> the culture in the area didn't call themselves that or others, and the Spanish conquistadors didn't call them that either. The word didn't appear until 200 years after the Aztecs were all but wiped out. So it's kind of a, uh, so, a misnomer. So the colonists weren't paying attention to the local cultures and their norms? How well, strange. That, but that's the thing. The conquistadors were. So I don't know when that happened. It would be like if we called Christians Edens. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Why can't they be the Adams? <laughs> And there are no phobias on the Aztecs, probably because they're gone. And uh, there's not much science <laughs> here. So we'll move on to our acid pop quiz. I will say that if, if you if you see a bunch of Aztecs, you should probably be afraid. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and uh, yeah, just to get this out of the way up front, my pronunciation is not great on the best of days. But this episode, it's probably going to be something special. So please forgive me. As we learn about in our Conquistadors episode, the Aztec Empire fell in the 1520s. So, true or false, just before it fell, the population of Tenochtitlan was larger than London. True. Yeah, I go with true. You need a lot of people to sacrifice. <laughs> I know it was high, so I'm also going to say true. Yep, you guys all got it. In the early 1500s, London had about 70,000 people, and Tenochtitlan had about 150,000. So it's twice the size of London. No, the continent was empty when we all got <laughs> here, remember? This had a vacancy sign on it. <laughs> yeah. It said free gold. <laughs> <laughs> so true or false, the Aztecs had slaves. I think that's true. True? It's a, I, no, I'm going to say false. They didn't keep the slaves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought they captured other 
other civilizations people. Uh, This is true, though from my research, they had slaves in a really unique way. Uh, From the sound of it, slavery and Tenochtitlan was not so bad, all things considered. Uh, Slave owners had to provide suitable housing and food for their slaves, which didn't mean just enough to keep them alive like in Europe. Slaves had a debt and they received a small amount of pay. Once their debt was repaid, they went free. Other than being a slave, they were the same as the rest of society. They could buy things, get married, and even own slaves themselves. So sort of like uh, indentured servants yeah, in, in yeah. the early U.S. Yep. It's slaves all the way down. <laughs> there were even some weird loopholes to get out of being a slave. If a slave got loose and ran outside the city, they were free. <laughs> all the only oxen free. Yeah. If you handed your slave a piece of clothing. <laughs> Or if they got loose, made it to the famously clean markets of Tenochtitlan, found some human poop and stepped in it, they also got to go free. (laughs) I would love to see the court case where that came up. Could they supply it? Wow, that's a good question. I don't know. (laughs) I can't stop all these slaves from coming here and pooping all over the place. (laughs) We really need to get rid of this law. Oh, there's another one. (laughs) I, I would have loved to have been part of the legal process for setting that up. I feel like it must have been like a, uh, a saying at the time. That's like, yeah. oh, that's less likely than finding poop in the market. I also feel like if you're a, an enterprising young slave, you could take your meager pay and pay off a dude to make a turd in the market. Yeah. Sure. There's, there's probably people whose whole job was just poop in the market. <laughs> <laughs> oh, get get Jerry. He's the best pooper. <laughs> he gets it all spread around. Easy to step in. <laughs> Quick and steamy. <laughs> I don't know what you'd be looking for in an ideal poop to step in. <laughs> no big chunks. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, if either of those things happened, a slave could present their case to a judge and could be set free. Slaves couldn't be sold by their masters without the slave's consent. Huh. Unless that slave was classified as unruly, that is. And if a slave was sold three times for being unruly, they were sacrificed. Yeah, so then you're out. Yeah, always check the Carfax on your slaves before you pick them up. <laughs> But yeah, compared to other cultures, slavery was pretty okay. It was so okay that if someone was in debt, sometimes they would sell themselves into slavery to pay off the debt. And it wasn't uncommon for parents to sell their kids into slavery for some extra cash. And it was just not that big a deal. You're going into the job market early and goodbye. (laughs) I'm three. (laughs) Three Three-year-olds can't talk, dear. Practically a man. (laughs) That was a long one, but we're moving on. True or false, all Aztecs went to school. This seems false. Seems like if it was true, it would surprise me. So I'm (laughs) going to say true. I'm going to say false. I mean, you know, most cultures haven't considered educating women very important. (laughs) So this is true. Yeah. From slaves to nobles, all Aztecs went to school. There were different schools for different castes, and they taught different things, but everybody went. They had some good stuff figured out. Yeah. Sounds like a great culture. I don't know why anyone would be afraid of it. (laughs) One thing, though, only the highest of nobles and priests were taught the very complex pictographic alphabet that the Aztecs used. It does look very tough. Yeah. Reading was not widespread. Yeah, the Aztec alphabet is like a mixture of letters and pictograms, so it's, it's apparently pretty tough to read. What the hell is a Thunderbird? Thunderbird? <laughs> <laughs> Call me a what? So we're on to our fill in the blank. So we know when the Aztec Empire fell, but when did it get started? We don't know. <laughs> zero. Zero BCE. Took my answer. <laughs> Take zero AD then. <laughs> 
I'll say the year 1000. Hmm. I'm sticking to we don't know. Yeah. Well, Adam's the closest without going over. Or am I? (laughs) There were many civilizations in Central America for thousands of years, but the Aztec culture only really got rolling around the early 1300s. Sometimes some people say like late 1200s, but yeah, didn't have a super long go of it. So roughly how many people were sacrificed each year in the Aztec empire? (laughs) 100,000. Two thirds the population of the city. (laughs) They wouldn't. Fa- they didn't. They didn't all have to come from inside the city. <laughs> Which, just doing the math on that really quick, that'd be something like two hundred people a day. <laughs> so yeah. Just a constant line up to the top, the top of the temple. I'm gonna say it was like tithing. It's ten percent. Ten percent. So that would be one thousand five hundred. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm gonna say just an even one thousand. Mm, guys are all oh, a little really? high. It was between five hundred and seven hundred. Oh, that's not so bad. (laughs) I don't know why anyone ever complained. How many is that per day? Yeah, my odds are pretty good. Just like one and a half. Not so bad. (laughs) Slice that guy halfway through and he'll finish him. Please kill me. (laughs) Put a tourniquet on his waist. (laughs) So what did the Aztecs use as currency? Obsidian. Mm. Probably not the gold. (laughs) I want to say like the jade or the turquoise or whatever you see with Mm. their stuff a lot. The bones of the sacrifices. <laughs> oh, plenty of those around. Everyone no. was rich. <laughs> Teeth. <laughs> oh, small change was cocoa beans, and big mm. money was pieces of cloth. So pretty much like we do money now, except for the cocoa beans. Oh, I thought you meant just like piece of cloth, like I could rip off part of my shirt. <laughs> and go here. How much money is this? <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep ripping it till I have more. <laughs> you have change. So we're on to our terms. What were the Mashika? Mashika. Mm-hmm. They were the mothers of the spy clan from <laughs> Zelda. <laughs> the Mashika. People that Ganondorf was king of. Yeah. I think that was the priest class. Mm. Those were the ruling slaves. <laughs> the, the slave slumlords. We're all slaves <laughs> to something, man. <laughs> this is what the Aztecs called themselves and what I will call them for the rest of this episode. There was a war god who was the keeper of the moon god. The moon god had a secret name, which was Meshi, and the people of the land of the war god who had the moon were called the Mexica. You just give away the secret. <laughs> <laughs> if you're Spanish and you try to write that down, you come up with something about, like, Mexico. Oh. oh. So that's my favorite theory about where the word Mexico came from. It was the name that the Aztecs called themselves. Mexica. Mexica. It's kind of pretty. Yeah. So what were the flower wars? <laughs> I assume it's a war fought with other peoples for a certain flower that created the best dyes. Ooh. Mm. The leader of the Aztecs mm-hmm. had two wives. Okay. Each of whom was in charge of a garden. (laughs) And they were constantly trying to one-up each other. Uh (laughs) And those were the flower wars. Oh, it's actually, that's amazingly close. Ha ha. Well, I guess I won't even guess then. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm messing away. That's not even remotely close. (laughs) It was a competition between two cities for the best city award. (laughs) So this sounds really crazy to me. But if I understand this correctly, there were other civilizations around the Mexica. The Mashika basically went around to them and said, look, we could totally wipe you off the map without breaking a sweat. 
But you see, we really need human sacrifices and soldiers to go out and get those human sacrifices. So in exchange for not killing every single person in your city, here's what we're going to do. A couple of times a year, we'll each bring out a set number of soldiers. You can bring whatever you want, and we'll bring our trainees with several nerfed weapons. <laughs> they didn't get ranged weapons, they didn't get shields, they basically just got, like, a small sword. Instead of obsidian, it's big nerf-like yeah. uh, spikes. <laughs> so then we'll have a little fight. Any of your people that we capture come back with us as human sacrifices, and any of our soldiers you kill will consider the cost of doing business. And the other town said, <laughs> okay, <laughs> yes. So they would have these little mock wars every few months around the country. Huh. Yeah. Pretty weird. I mean, I guess that's not a terrible deal. Yeah. So what are Tio Kali? Let's see. Spanish name of my aunt Kali. <laughs> no, it's the Spanish name of your aunt's Kali. Oh. <laughs> Wouldn't Tio... I think that'd be uncle. uncle. Yeah, your uncle's collie. Very cute dog. Sounds like a delicious sauce. Mm. I think it's one of their gods. Mm. Mm -hmm. So these were the names of the Latin American pyramids. Yeah. Okay. The name translates to God House, which makes sense. <laughs> Whose house? Mm -hmm. God's house. So several civilizations built these, but the Mexica ones, like almost everything else they did, were centered around sacrifices. The Central American pyramids may have been the biggest in the world, depending on your definition of biggest. The Egyptian pyramids were definitely taller, but if you had a big-ass scale, the Central American ones weighed more. I think I give more points for math. Yeah. So this, this question has some sub-questions. So the, the Central American pyramids were impressive because, unlike Egyptians... They had no blank or blank. No camels or <laughs> uh, mortar. They had no rock quarries. Ooh, yeah, that'd make it rough. I mean, maybe it's apocryphal, but I always heard that Aztecs never really invented the wheel. So Ooh. they had no way to roll the stones. Yeah, I mean, Andy, you got one and Kelly, you got another. They had no beasts of burden. How many did I get? <laughs> you got all the rest. <laughs> And then, yeah, they never invented the wheel. They basically built their pyramids with undistilled elbow grease. <laughs> Guys, it's it's the year 1200. Let's get on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, if I remember correctly, like just where their civilization was located, the wheel just didn't make much sense. Yeah. I, okay. So <laughs> I don't understand how the wheel wouldn't make sense. Is it, be, is it too many like inclines? Yeah. It's so, it's so mountainous there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Plus, there's screws and nails all over, so your tires would pop all over. <laughs> yeah, they invented, like, spike strips way before the wheel. <laughs> so what were Zontpantli? Zontpantli. It's uh, zip-up pants. There's the first zip-up pants. <laughs> These are my Zontpantlis. <laughs> too long to be shorts, too short to be pants. <laughs> Zontpantli are the sacrifice daggers. <laughs> Zontpantli are what they call their soldiers. Mm. Now, these were the wooden racks where skulls would be displayed like a twisted abacus. Oh, I, I thought maybe it'd be like precious memories figurines. <laughs> it's like the grandma dried apple face things. <laughs> well, they were good at math, so yeah. abacus would be useful. So they need great big horrible abacuses. <laughs> one. <laughs> the largest one yet discovered held 650 skulls. 
Jeez. It's a lot of counting. Yeah. I'm not sure of the arrangement, but that would be a grid about 25 by 26. And if you needed a larger abacus, you'd have to go to a war of the flower. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. They needed to keep going to war so they could do bigger and better math problems. Yeah. Like, listen, I can only count to 55 right now. (laughs) (laughs) Go kill a civilization. Mm -hmm. What was Ulamalitsi? Can we get that one more time? (laughs) Ulamalitsi. Ula Malitsli. Ula La Malitsli. Yeah, that's uh, when they were working on the pyramids. That's like their version of a cat call. <laughs> a woman would walk by and they'd say, Ula, hang on a sec. No, I, come back. <laughs> Ula Malitsli is, if you just want to throw your money away, you can make a delicious Ula Malitsli out of your cocoa beans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so rich. <laughs> that's probably the only culture where you could eat yourself poor. <laughs> Then you use the cloth for a napkin. So. <laughs> what have I done? What have I done? <laughs> I'm destitute. <laughs> just chocolate all over you. Blow his nose. Oh God! Please, I just need. I just need a little bit of cash. <laughs> How about that's their word for gold? Mm. This was also known as Tlatchley. I almost guessed that. <laughs> I was so close, and then I was like, "No, that's a different word." Yeah. So yeah, this I, was. I've had Tlatchley lints. <laughs> Yeah, so this was the crazy-ass ball game that the Mashika played. The oh, okay. court was a trench between 100 and 200 feet, or 30 and 60 meters long, with sloped ramps on either side ending in an 8-foot or 2.5-meter tall wall. Each wall had six markers and a stone hoop that was just a little bigger than the ball. The ball was 9 pounds, or 4 kilos, of rubber. <laughs> not only could you not touch the ball with your hands or feet, the ball was not allowed to touch the ground. Ow. Ow. Yeah. The object was to hit the markers with the ball for some points or get the ball through the stone hoop for lots of points. This game was super important to the Mashika, and it was often one of the first things to be built in a new community. Sticking with the sacrifice theme, score was kept with one of those skull racks, and the <laughs> losing team was often sacrificed. To make a new score rack. Yeah. Though I will say that the games were often consisted of something about like the Globetrotters versus a middle school basketball team <laughs> to ensure that the right people won. You don't want to be the Golden State Warriors. Just sounds like the hacky sack they play in hell. Yeah. Yeah. To me, this game sounds impossible. And I guess the Mashika agreed because often the courts had no stone hoops because why bother? <laughs> Why did we even invent this stupid game? (laughs) One day they knocked a stone hoop off and it rolled away and they said, eh, too hard. That looks useless. (laughs) That was inconvenient. Let's not do that again. Let's agree. Let's never make one of those again. (laughs) Sleds are the future here. (laughs) But seriously, I'd be super interested to see somebody like play this game. Yeah. I mean, I've got the movie Road to El Dorado. It's like, no, Andy, it's historically accurate. (laughs) No, (laughs) they start playing with an armadillo. How much does it weigh? And was it made of rubber? <laughs> that would have killed the armadillo. <laughs> so that concludes our acid pop quiz. How'd we do? Pretty good. 100%. Yeah. So first, I'd like to talk a little bit about Mashika mythology. There's a lot to it, and a lot of it has been lost to time, but here's a quick rundown of some of the stories. The world that we live in is the fifth one. The first four were destroyed in various cataclysms. Not enough sacrificing. Yep, that's yep, that's it, exactly. 
The world is flat and divided into four regions, and the end of each region has a tree that is holding up its corner of the sky. Hmm. Above the flat earth are 13 heavens, so 13 is actually a lucky number in the Mashika culture, and below it are nine underworlds, so nine is an unlucky number. No wonder they needed all those abacus. They yeah. All the math for all the religion. There are a bunch of violent gods, but the main one that the Mashika root for is Hutzelopochtli. There's no way I'm going to manage to say that over and over again, so for the sake of my tongue, we'll call him Hutzi. <laughs> I'm sure he won't mind. Mm-hmm. So Hutzi is the keeper of the moon that I mentioned earlier, and he has a lot of roles, but his main two are being the god of war and human sacrifice. <laughs> what a guy. Yeah. Why did we need a god for this? <laughs> he is also the god of the sun, and the sun goes across the sky is basically a metaphor for his battle against the darkness. If hmm. the darkness wins, the world ends. So to keep old Hutzi going, the Mashika have to send him lots and lots of human sacrifices. <laughs> Needs more blood. Yeah. Oh, and then if there was an eclipse, you'd shit your pants. Yeah. Oh, and some interesting thing about Mashika gods. First, you didn't pray to them. You did things for them. Their gods didn't give two shits about words. They wanted blood. And second, gods didn't do nice things for humans. The best you could get was the prevention of a disaster. <laughs> That's not a good relationship. So you're paying extortion money. Yeah, basically. The gods are walking around saying, nice place you got around here. <laughs> Looks a little flammable. Yeah. Mashika, Boy, am I thirsty. <laughs> Mashika gods played hardball. I, I sacrificed my son so the gods would not notice me. <laughs> yeah. So the Mashika actually had two calendars, one to keep track of the year and another to keep track of their busy sacrifice schedule. <laughs> and the sacrifice one was on a shorter cycle, about 260 days. So on important days, sacrifices had to happen, sometimes lots of sacrifices. With that spacing, New Year's on both calendars only lined up once every 52 years. And when that happened, it was a big deal. It's a party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So the Mashika had a big festival that translated to the New Fire Festival. So as far as I understand it, the end of the world was really likely at these times. So to keep the world going, they sort of had a mock restarting of the world. Mm. So for five days leading up to the festival, there was basically a citywide spring cleaning, tossing out all of your old junk to signify leaving the old world behind. On the fateful day, a procession of priests and one very special sacrificee walked from the center of town to the top of a local mountain that also happened to be an extinct volcano. When they got to the top, everyone in town put out any fire that they had, so everything went completely dark. Crazy. Yeah. Then they waited for the constellation Orion to show up. But in Mashika, they didn't see Orion as a person. Rather, his belt was called the fire drill. <laughs> So when the fire drill was high in the sky, the sacrifice person had their heart cut out of their chest with an obsidian blade, and then they made a little fire where his heart used to be. <laughs> wow. Wow. Probably looks pretty kitchen. Yeah. This is all very metal. Yeah. The priest stood around the chest fire with unlit torches, and when a spark jumped out and lit one of their torches, they used the flame to set a huge bonfire. That's awesome. This sort of signified the start of the world. So more torches were lit and carried back to the town where all fires were rekindled and the world carried on. My oh my. From yeah. their perspective, they're being very diligent and uh, taking care of everybody with their constant yeah. 
blood yeah, sacrifices. It's true. So from the get-go, the Mexica were really, really into sacrifice. In the early 1300s, they'd been picking up some steam, and they thought it was time to start making some friends with other cultures in the area. <laughs> One of their neighbors was called Kalhakan, and the Mexica went to their ruler, Achicometl, with a wicked awesome PowerPoint about how he should give them his daughter so that they could make her the bride of one of their gods, turning her into a goddess. As most people do, Achiko Metal tuned out through most of the presentation and heard something like, blah, blah, marry daughter, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> he figured she would marry the Mashika ruler, who was sort of a deity, and be in a position of power. So he said, sure, go ahead. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. She went off the, with the Mashika, but it turns out to become a god, you basically have to be turned inside out. <laughs> and so they did. All the godly bits are on the inside. <laughs> All of our gods look like what happens to people after the predator gets a hold of them. <laughs> so they went back to Achicometal and were like, congratulations, your daughter's a goddess. You must be so proud. We should have a big party to celebrate. And he was all, I love big parties. <laughs> they set up a huge feast and had a great time. For the grand finale, the head priest of the Mashika came out doing a fancy jig and singing a happy tune, all the while wearing Achicometal's daughter's skin as a shroud. Oh, no. <laughs> that kind of brought the mood down for old Achicometal. <laughs> the Mashika were run out of town in a state of bewilderment. They just made this guy's daughter a god. What was he so pissed about? <laughs> what the hell, man? What a jerk. <laughs> yeah. So the Mashika booked it out of there, and now they needed a new place to call home. An important seer said that what they were looking for was an eagle sitting on a cactus eating a snake. That would be the sign from the gods for them to settle in that place. And I'll be damned if they didn't find one. It's bound to happen eventually, like I guess. two minutes later. I guess. Oh, there it is. This was a big deal. And in fact, the Mexican flag depicts an eagle eating a snake on top of a cactus. I was going to say that sounds very familiar. Yeah. Trouble was, the cactus was on a relatively small dry patch in the middle of a damn swamp. <laughs> but when extremely violent gods tell you to do something, you don't make excuses. So they got to work draining and irrigating the swamp to make Tenochtitlan. Really? Here? Are you sure? Yes! Oh! <laughs> yeah, this city was a crazy sight to behold. The surrounding area was filled with water, so the city basically looked like it was floating on a lake. It had huge towers, and it was navigated by streets and canals, kind of like Venice. It was such a enormous and improbable city in the middle of a jungle that when Cortez first got there, some of his men thought they were hallucinating. <laughs> <laughs> Tenochtitlan was huge and quite advanced. They had abundant food that allowed for the development of art, education, and culture. They had roads, boats, schools, markets, pottery, tapestry, and festivals. Skull whistle makers? Yeah. On the swamp? <laughs> they weren't savages. They were just really into sacrifices. <laughs> so let's talk about that. As I mentioned, Mexica gods were powered by blood and sacrifice, so it was up to the Mexica to get them some. In their culture, they just seemed to think that this was how it was. Some historians think that the stories of human sacrifices were exaggerated, if not completely fabricated, by the conquistadors to try and make them look like the good guys. It's true that the conquistadors lied a lot, and it's also true that a great deal of Mexica history was lost, but even with what's left, there's plenty of accounts from other cultures in the neighborhood and texts from the Mexica themselves that describe lots and lots of sacrifices and bloodletting. And all these skulls lying around. Yeah. <laughs> this wall just says, we love killing. <laughs> it's made of skulls. <laughs> 
So blood wasn't such a big deal. There were frequent ceremonies for bloodletting. Mostly they would run thorns over their skin, but where they decided to do it was a bit odd. The three main spots were the tongue, the earlobes, and the oh. genitals. Oh. <laughs> of course, that's where all the best blood uh, can, is. Can we re-roll any of those? <laughs> <laughs> but that was just kind of casual, everyday thing that happened. Yeah, that's just deep exfoliation. Yeah. I mean, I, I please the gods, but my penis looks like a shillelagh. <laughs> <laughs> what was far more important were the sacrifices. Different gods required different types of sacrifices from different species. The Mexica bred dogs, eagles, jaguars, deer, butterflies, and hummingbirds solely for the purpose of cutting them apart at certain times. Don't get a lot out of a hummingbird, so you got to make a lot of them. <laughs> I was going to say, the, the butterfly sacrifices probably take really tiny knives. It's not very impressive. <laughs> it's got to be a heart in here somewhere. <laughs> this kind of looks like one. <laughs> So perceived bad luck was a big deal in the Mexica culture. So if you screwed up and did something that you shouldn't, you had to punish yourself to keep bad acts from impacting the community. If you said something wrong, you might slit your tongue. If you were eavesdropping, you might cut open your ears. If you really screwed up, well, then the only thing to do was either to hang yourself or find a cliff and jump off of it. <laughs> what a community-minded people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> takes a village. <laughs> Death was just kind of a thing. It was such a thing that even when the Mashika captured people from other nearby cultures for the purpose of human sacrifice, the people that they captured knew what was up and kind of accepted it. Big festivals would be held for the sacrifices, and the humans weren't dragged kicking and screaming into the center and slaughtered. Instead, they were expected to smile and wave at the crowds. To visit people too sick to make it to the ceremony, like some sort of fucked up Make-A-Wish volunteer. <laughs> I don't know, they're going to sacrifice John Cena. <laughs> Lead in the singing of songs, have a Q&A, and generally act as the mater d' of the whole event. The Q&A? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about, about, what do you think about being sacrificed? Not looking forward to it. Smile, smile. <laughs> smile at the people. Blow them kisses. <laughs> and they did. After all the partying was done, the sacrifice would be led to the top of one of these big-ass step temples where they would be held down by four people. And I don't care how on board you are with this plan, you're going to change your mind when someone takes this obsidian blade to your diaphragm. I really, really thought you guys were joking. <laughs> I thought this was all a big play. So the victims would be cut from neck to waist and opened up like a baked potato. <laughs> and then twice Push them on the side. <laughs> So the priest would then cut out the still-beating heart, put it in a bowl, and offer it to the god of the day. While all this was going on, people in the audience would cut and bleed themselves in a show of solidarity. Once dead, the sacrifice would be tossed down all those stairs like a Tim Burton slinky because <laughs> blood was important, so it was best to spread it around. Yeah, let's just get this everywhere. Once the body squished to a stop, it was divvied up. The head went to the sompatli, the big skull racks, and the viscera was fed to the local animals. If the sacrifice was a war prisoner, the person that captured them got their choice of body part as a consolation prize, Ooh. and everything else was offered up to the gods. Can I get this pinky? I'm making a necklace. <laughs> <laughs> I need the whole set. I need a way to point to my house, and I'll just put a sign out on the street. <laughs> that was what you did to please old Hutsi, the main god of the Mashika, but there were other gods. To get on the good side of Tetzcatlipoca, who invented war. <laughs> but wasn't the god of war. Yeah. 
a person needed to die in combat, but it didn't necessarily have to be fair combat. The warrior would have one hand tied to a post and the other would hold basically a pool noodle. (laughs) They would then use this weapon to fight four elite warriors at once. Did anyone ever win? Uh, Not that I found. I mean, they'd be really cool if they did. (laughs) Some wicked welts too, I mean. (laughs) Hugh Hugh Teodal was the god of fire. So that was pretty straightforward. But there was a catch. First, you had to light several people on fire at once. But before they died, and this was important, you had to put them out real quick so the heart could be cut out of their chest while it was still beating. So if they died from the burns, that was bad. How long do you think it took him to figure out like just the right kind of sacrifice for the god of fire? Yeah. <laughs> Slowlock was the god of rain. I know what you're thinking. Drowning, right? Well, not so much. Instead, the victims would be made as miserable as possible, <laughs> usually via beatings, until they cried and cried. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't want to be sacrificed to this <laughs> Can we go back to the fire god? <laughs> Please burn me. <laughs> When they couldn't cry anymore, they would be uh, killed. Oh, God. Just sit him down and be like, I'm sorry. Your girlfriend says it's over. <laughs> what? <laughs> now sit down and watch Marley and me. <laughs> so in times of drought, victims would be daisy-chained together so their misery and death overlapped. <laughs> this would be kept up until the rain came back. I know all there is to know about the crying chain. <laughs> Because it's easier to get tears out of them, sacrifices to Lulak were typically children. Oh, oh, oh no. <laughs> Jeez. You can't have a new toy. <laughs> Candy is for good little boys and girls. <clears throat> Not the pre-dead ones like you. <laughs> oh, God. Zippy Totek was one of the flaying gods. A flaying god! <laughs> That's not what I was expecting. <laughs> it's like you had a zipper on you. <laughs> so yeah, his victims were skinned alive. Then the priest would walk through town wearing the skin and accepting gifts from people. <laughs> is, that, is that the one that the, the lady was married to? Probably. <laughs> Just walk around like, yes, I'd like a gift. <laughs> John, is that you? <laughs> So yeah, those were some highlights, but other ways of sacrificing people included starvation, drowning, and decapitation. I didn't know they got so creative. Well, well, they had a lot of people to kill. There were 28 phases to the 260-day calendar, so there would be at least one sacrifice about every nine days, but usually more than one. And that was the last of the stories that I had. Oh, zippy toe <laughs> <laughs> Anybody have any personal stories about Aztecs? Personal Aztec stories? No. I've never been sacrificed even a little bit. (laughs) That's good. I cried once. Did that help it rain? (laughs) (laughs) Not where you live. Well, all right. If nobody has any more personal stories, we'll move on to what are your morals worth. So to get into the Mexica spirit, how much to go out, find, say, a rose and use it to slit open your tongue? Oh, God. Quite a bit. Yeah. You have to do it. You can't have somebody else do it. And not enough to like a little drop. Like we're talking a tablespoon or two of blood has to come out. I feel like even then, like the tongue is going to bleed a bunch when you get that. (laughs) You're going to be talking like this for a long time. It's all my money. (laughs) Important question. Uh Uh-huh. Is my blood stopping the end of the world? Nope. (laughs) I guess we'll never know if you do it right. Yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, give me. I'm going to need money for stitches. Ugh, just thought of that scene from Evil Dead. <laughs> Kelly's sticking her tongue in and out of her mouth over and over again. <laughs> I mean, it's not like you're cutting your tongue off. Yeah. What, what, I, I, I suppose I do it like right on the tip. Yeah, just be careful not to go all the way through. You don't want the bifurcated tongue. Yeah. Or do, do you? <laughs> Snake God. I feel like this is... I'm not good at self-harm. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it would be tough to do, but I feel like... 50,000 would tempt me pretty yeah, good. Probably. Yeah. The money sitting there on the table staring at you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a suitcase full of money and a rose. <laughs> <laughs> what a lovely gift. Um, I'll, I'll go 70 then. 70? Oh, man. Yeah, it's really hard to make yourself bleed, even a little. To make yourself bleed a lot, like that's going to take some huxpa. Well, and you got to figure, like, because it's so difficult, you're going to be, like, really beating up your tongue trying to get the blood to come yeah. out, but not really doing quite a good enough job <laughs> at it. It's going to take a few goes. Oh, no. But I, I also feel like if I just took the... I wouldn't even have to really cut it. i just take one thorn and push it in real good. All, all <laughs> you need to do is stick your tongue out and then just whack it real good with the rose stem. <laughs> Give yourself a bunch of tongue piercings. Yeah, I still don't think I'd be quite that high. What would I have to get? If you, like... I mean, I could I could maybe go lower, but, like, 50,000 would be a definite yes. Yeah. I don't feel like I need a new car. I feel like 50000 in the realm of new car. But I definitely think I need more than like a TV a or new something. Cat. Yeah. <laughs> it's, hard. it's hard to do podcasts when you talk like this rest of your life. <laughs> True. Uh, 15000 I think I do Oof. fifteen. I can get you a new used car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Help take the sting off. I think I need 100 100 I, uh, it's really hard to injure yourself. Yeah, it is. It would be very difficult. I like my tongue, too. I use it for the tasting. <laughs> yeah, just be careful not to cut it all the way off. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's all we have for this week. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Bye. And hey, this week we have a special message. We have a new Miss Editor. So... <laughs> I wanted to say congratulations to Laura and Gerard on their new engagement. Hope you're enjoying London and woo, it's awesome. Woo! Congratulations! Yeah. <laughs> Your love grow like the mighty oak. <laughs> Thanks to my co-hosts for joining me today. Thanks to Gerard, our awesome editor. And thanks to you for tuning in. If you'd like more information about today's episode, check out our website at acidpoppodcast.podbean.com. You can join us on our subreddit, Acid Pop Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Acid Pop Podcast for updates almost every month. Or you can send us an email at acidpoppodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. I'm incapable of spelling the word big. Every oh? I, I say big deal a lot in my episodes, but every time it appears in my script, it says bog. <laughs> a bog deal. <laughs> Which is why at work, I have to try to stop myself in emails from saying, we'll give it a shot because the I and the O are right next to each other on the keyboard. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I'll give it a shit. <laughs> okay. All right. Anybody need a potty break or anything? I already used the wiener room. <laughs>
had a hot dog. Yeah. <laughs>